My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. All right, welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. Uh, today, we are going to discuss um, all of the different insects that are active at night and maybe attracted to your lights, your porch lights. Uh, this one might also be an exciting uh, listen for those of you who are fellow bug nerds or have any aspiring entomologists. Uh, something that we do to collect a lot of insects is light trapping. Uh, and so maybe you'll learn a little bit about what you could potentially collect. Depending on where you are in Texas, it's always going to be different. Um, but we will probably start off with the main one everyone probably notices are moths, right? Are there any spe- uh, specific species that are... Uh... Of moths? Oh, I hate moths so much. I wouldn't know if it was the same species or not if you asked me, most likely. It takes a very special individual, a very special lepidopterist to appreciate all of the moths. Yes. <laughs> I would say that the ones I get commonly around my porch light are noctuids and geometrids, but they are not my favorite nocturnal moths. Those are the sphingids or sphinx moths or hawk moths, which are actually typically pollinating flowers and they are going to be pollinating the night blooming flowers, like the night blooming cirrus and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I see them also. I don't know that they're necessarily night blooming. They just never really close up, but I would always see sphinx moths on my plumbagos around dusk. So I don't know if there's something with the way the light comes in at that time and that color of that kind of periwinkle purple that they see the best or uh, I don't know, but I always see them on, on, on plumbago um, in the early part of the evening. See, I always kill my plumbago, so I don't get to see that. Well, this was a, <laughs> this was a year when I was doing particularly well. And uh, I am like you now, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep them alive anymore. So moths are super common. Another one that I, I tend to see pretty early on in spring, you can still, I, I'm pretty sure they're year round, but the lace wings, the green lace wings are pretty active. And they're pretty obvious. I mean, they're easy to spot because oh, yeah. of the coloration and whatnot. I mean, there's not a whole lot that looks like yeah. them. They're they're dainty, so they're not like a big bulky insect, but when they're flying in that light, I guess just the way the shadows and the light picks them up, they look larger than they are, I feel like. And under porch lights and street lamps and all sorts of things, as long as there's like some foliage around, it sure seems like there's tons of them. And this time of year, especially, I'm just seeing lots. Another pretty common one would be, I mean, for me, May beetles. Um, Anyone who knows me personally, I hate crunchy things. And so that's kind of a... So when I was growing up, one of the things that I used to love, I used to love May and June beetle season. Did you say love? (laughs) Um, when I was growing up, um, so, you know, middle of nowhere, we would, well, okay. I would, (laughs) I would turn on our garage light during May and June beetle season. And then I would get a tennis racket. And as the June beetles were flying in, I would whack them with the racket. (laughs) 
it made such a satisfying sound and I just was, I don't know, it's probably mean and, you know, they're just doing their thing, but was kind of uh, middle of nowhere, Ohio entertainment, I guess. That sounds like, sounds like great tennis practice. Yeah, we didn't have a tennis court, so I had to use what I had, right? <laughs> <laughs> so those are the three like big mm-hmm. groups when I think of like going out to a patio light, right? You're definitely going to find those three things for me. Um, there's plenty of other things that are attracted, some pretty unique uh, insects as well. So, um, you know, you can find, I guess I'll, I'll kind of list off some of those special ones. So mayflies, uh, which look pretty distinct. Um, I always kind of describe them as a you know, wings back together, kind of like a sitting triangle. And they've got these long uh, filaments coming off the the end of their abdomen. Uh, They can be all sorts of different colors. They can be all sorts of different sizes. Um, They hold their front legs up when they're at rest. And then they also kind of curve their abdomen up too. That's very true. I I totally forgot that. Um, I have a really cool image i'll i'll see if i can't post it to the show notes as well uh where we went camping we did a a light sheet and there were i think it was on the guadalupe river there were hundreds if not thousands of of mayflies uh, which if you've listened to our podcast before you know their purpose as adults is to mate and then they literally die uh fairly quickly they they don't have a very long adult lifespan but there's a picture of a a hand and it's it we just covered it in mayflies it's pretty cool and they're bright yellow probably about the size of a quarter um more commonly i've I've found them just to be kind of a you know mottled brown smaller in color are there any other species that y'all have seen around in, in texas or i've seen some that are more of a whitish color okay and then they're also with mayflies, uh, the number of wings that they have can vary. Some of them will have uh, two pair of wings, whereas other ones have that second pair reduced or completely absent. Another uh, group that maybe could be alarming if you're near it, um, any type of the alate swarmers, uh, different ants, um, or alate termites too actually will come in. Uh, Depending to on what species, yeah. Right. Some of them will be at night, yeah. And so oftentimes you, you might not even notice them. You just wake up in the morning and you walk out your front door and you've just got a bunch of either dropped wings or, you know, dead dead, dead insects. <laughs> dead right, ant. With the ants. Dead ant. Dead ant. Dead ant. Dead ant. Sorry. Uh, and then some kind of off there, but, you know, pre- cool whenever you find them. Uh, owl flies and ant lions, uh, dobson flies. A lot of these are uh, just other neuropterans. Um, stoneflies you can find if you're near running water. Yeah. And I would say that some of these are going to be really, excuse me, dependent upon uh, what area of Texas you're in. If you're near a decent sized body of water and what that, like if it's a lake versus a stream versus a river, you may have different things. And the time of year really. Yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to put a collection together, this is the best time of year, I would say, because things are warming up, things are waking up, and we have had, or at least the vast majority of Texas has had a good, decent amount of rain, 
And so, you know, things are just surviving and thriving right now. So, you know, go out to a, a leave your porch lights on or look underneath, um, uh, just look under some light source at night. And, and there's a good chance you're going to see more insects than you did last year. Maybe even other species that you didn't, you haven't seen in several years. Yeah. In college, we would, we would go out to the empty parking lots like you know behind a home depot or something (laughs) and gas stations yeah that's where we would get our yeah cicadas and giant water bugs yeah crickets oh i'm i'm waiting for the cricket apocalypse it's gotta be coming soon oh bryant don't curse us well i think we got too much rain maybe yeah uh, so all this being said, uh, let's talk a little bit about what attracts insects or why insects may be attracted to our lights. Um, so organisms that are either attracted or repelled by light, uh, that's called a phototoxic organism. So you can either be positively uh, phototoxic or negatively. If you're positive, then you would be attracted to lights. So that's what we're talking about right now. Um, there's not really a concrete answer. Uh, science doesn't answer, you know, we don't know why exactly. We have plenty of theories. Uh, the most common that I've heard is that uh, in, in evolutionary terms, right, uh, things like moths would use moonlight as a navigational tool. Um, and this theory really doesn't fit, you know, the the insects that aren't traveling over long distances, Right. Um, why would they need a navigational tool if it's just an insect confined to a specific area? But anyway, uh, since introducing a lot of artificial light, what this does is it essentially confuses the insect. Um, instead of flying toward the moon in a fixed position, uh, they kind of get confused and they are, you know, locked in on that one source of artificial light, say your porch light or a gas station light, um, whichever and they can't really break that have y'all heard of any other theories um i don't know if i've heard of it or i made it up on my own but um insects being at lights or even other things predators like spiders and other things being at lights because they're attracted to they know that their prey is going to be there or that there are going to be a good number of prey and i don't think that they're necessarily positively phototactic they're just smart enough to go where the food is Well, and there's also i read an article because somebody was concerned about uh leaving porch lights on and that affecting pollinators and so i was researching what what best light bulb to use so it was talking about incandescent and how it puts off not only light but it also puts off heat which Actually, it it was the most attractive to insects because it had light and heat that it was giving off. And then after that, it went to CFL because that also gave off light. It gave off a little bit of heat, but less than the incandescent. And then the LEDs essentially didn't give off heat and they just gave off the light. So those were least attractive to the insects. So heat plays a role. I think so. I mean, according to that study, it does. That makes sense. And uh, it also brings awareness to the fact that there are so many variables when it comes to this. So uh, not just the heat and the type of light, but the wavelength of the light, how bright it is, all of those are going to factor in. Um, I've seen even suggestions online where if you're Mm -hmm. dealing with 
uh, insect problems to switch to like a yellow or a red bulb, which is still somewhat attractive, but less attractive than uh, your normal white incandescent light bulbs. Well, and that's something that if we have people like, you know, no, seriously, like every year I have at least one person calling me panic because we're having a mayfly emergence somewhere. And, you know, there's really not a whole lot that you can do about them because they're emerging from water source that is on someone else's property. So it's not like you can say, hey, go do something over here. They have to control whatever the insects that are coming in. And generally it's like, turn off your porch light because they're coming and they're attracted to that. So if you leave your porch light off at night, then they're not going to have that light source that they go into. I mean, same recommendation for all sorts of things that are attracted to lights like crickets. Turn off the what's attracting them and then they won't are less likely to come. And you can do that for sure at your house. I think a lot easier unless there's a, you know, a street light that you can't turn off. But you you can Google and see crazy pictures of um, especially it seems to be at uh, car dealerships at night where they have a lot of lights on and the mayflies are all over covering the cars and things. Um, so like a business can't really stop it, but you as a homeowner can try to avoid those nuisance uh, emergences where they're attracted to lights. So Molly, you mentioned, uh, well, actually, I think Wizzy mentioned Sphinx moss. You mentioned about night blooming flowers. I did see that um there oh gosh it's it was going off of uv light but essentially an, another theory of the attractiveness of light bulbs is that some of these pollinators can get confused because the light mimics uh basically what the flower would look like in the dark to them which was interesting um so it, essentially they think that they're going to a food source but it is not. And then the third theory is about essentially escaping predators. So uh, if you think about if you're in a dark room and you see light, right, that's going to uh, look like open space. And so a, a moth would rather escape a compact area like in the bush or in the thicket they want to be in an open space and so that's what attracts them to the light um, out from the woods essentially so there's plenty of you know su suggestions and theories out there um the the main answer is we we really don't know um i don't know that we'll ever really know we can't just ask an insect <laughs> nobody's created that helmet yet yeah Except for Phineas and Ferb. So one that we didn't talk about that I know is probably everyone's favorite. And I don't know. I think we did a specific episode on this at one point. Molly, you're going to have to correct me. Are the lightning bugs or fireflies or whatever people want to call them. I'm pretty sure that we did an episode on these. We did. And I feel like we did it back in the day when Irfan was part of the podcast. So it was one yeah. of our very first ones. So if you want more information on those, you can look for a specific episode, but that's definitely one that is fun. Again, childhood memories of running around and collecting fireflies. And again, we did horrifying things to them when we were a kid <laughs> because I was a kid uh, still interested in bugs, but I remember, you know, squishing them and having that that nice ring on my hand that was the the squished lightning bug and 
all that good I know stuff. we would put them into water bottles and carry them around like lanterns but I actually I <laughs> saw my first firefly of the season in my backyard this past weekend so I was pretty excited I saw them out here too I think this year we're gonna see them I think it's gonna be a good year because it's been so wet my uh I have one of my brothers, my youngest brother lives in an area where he likes to take his dogs walking all the time. And there's always fireflies, no matter how dry it is, he always sees them. And he saw them like, it was, it was still pretty cold outside. It was, I want to say it was like March. Um, but he saw them early, early on. And I'm, it's, I think he's going to, he always sends me videos of him. Um, I don't think I got excited enough last time, so I haven't gotten a video since then. But <laughs> you uh, did not appreciate his effort. Well, at that, and he also has a girlfriend, so you know he's. I'm not as in priorities. More. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think if you want to catch fireflies, this is going to be one of the years to do it. Yeah, just don't squish them like I did. And more on making childhood memories. Those of you who are parents and maybe want a fun activity to do with your kids this time of year, uh, we, we keep talking about light sheets, but we really haven't given instructions. So I figured I would include that here. But um, if you've got just a white sheet laying around, uh, doesn't have to be special. I like to use two. Uh, I'll put one on the ground and then I kind of hang one up um, in between two trees. Uh, and then from the top or uh, if you want to put it on the bottom, if you just have like a black light, uh, those, you know, just cheap black lights that you get from the store. Um, another one that we use are the mercury vapor lights. They're very, very bright. Uh, they get very hot, but those, um, you know, in the middle of a field or something will attract a lot of insects. Um, I, I will say you want to be probably further away from like a heavily populated area. If you're going to do that, Uh, you'll still probably get a couple of things obviously, but. Well, um, if you're in a neighborhood, depending on the neighborhood, I mean, the, the thing you really need to be cognizant of is light pollution. So, I mean, cause I could probably do it in my backyard cause there's a fair amount of trees and you know, not everybody turns on their lights and whatnot, but if you have a bunch of light, mm-hmm. then that would interfere. I say it's, it's, pretty lit up where I and am. You, it's better too when you do it when it's a new moon instead of a full moon or a brighter moon because they'll see the moon instead. We actually have a right. local 4-H kid that did her one of her for like her speaking project on that did a lot of research on it. Um, she did a really good job and I don't remember all her scientific facts about it but um, it is scientifically proven that if if there's no moon you'll get more insects coming to your your light sheets like less competition. Yeah. That's what they, they, just like you said, they think it's the moon. And so they come to it. That's actually an activity that I think we're doing sometime this fall. Austin is um, classified as a B city. And part of what we're doing for our educational stuff is I am going to go out to the Austin nature and science center. And we're going to set up a, a black light, and possibly a mercury vapor. I don't know. It depends on what I find, but we're going to have an event where people from the public can come out and, you know, see, see what you can do and what you can see and kind of teach people about insects and nighttime activity and pollinators. Can anyone sign up for that? It's just going to be open to the public. So you don't have to sign up. It's just more going to be a show up and 
participate. If people are interested, where do they, is there a website where they can get the info on the date and the time and everything? Um, probably. <laughs> you haven't gotten that far. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the planning stages of the event. I think we might, at the last meeting, we might have decided on a date. I'm pretty sure that we have the date down because we were going to do it this summer, but then I think it got pushed off until fall. Um, if they if they Google B City in Austin, they should be able to pull up information, and it should have information on there. So there are some insects also that are just plain active at night. They're considered, I guess, nocturnal for a number of different reasons. They've, you know, there's always a reason why something is nocturnal. The, I don't know, in nature, I imagine it would be, you can avoid your predators a little bit easier. You're maybe more shy, your food sources out there. And, you know, of course they've made adaptations to have, you know, mammals will have bigger eyes or bigger ears or something to allow them to get around in the dark a little bit better. But uh, in the insect world, the ones that come to mind for me that are just plain active at night are almost the ones that you don't necessarily want around, like bed bugs. Um, there are some species of mosquitoes that are more active during the dark hours, cockroaches, um, crickets, um, spiders. Those are the four big ones that I can think of. Spiders, yeah. I say centipedes scorpions all of those things are yeah scorpions are a good one because that's the one i always get people when i go out and talk to them especially if i'm talking about like stinging arthropods they're always worried about getting up to pee in the middle of the night and stepping on a scorpion (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we lived out in well near marble falls and that was in this house i remember i'd i'd come home after you know being out with my friends it'd be like 9 30 10 and there would be, I'm willing to say on average, like six scorpions. Um, Yikes. Eighth grade Bryant was awful. I would, <laughs> I would collect them all and I would like, like cut off their stingers and like put them uh, into the dustpan. So when my mom woke up in the morning, she could kind of, I guess it was kind of a gift from me. <laughs> You're, You're like, like a, a cat. cat. Yeah. Some mouse. <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've had them just, fall. I mean, that's another thing they, they're getting in, they like to climb up. Right. So they would always fall off of our ceiling, yeah. um, out of our light fixtures or like the AC. Um, I don't know how common that is, but I think it's pretty common because yeah. they'll climb trees. The, they're the Texas striped bark scorpion, common one that most people have in Texas climbs trees. And so people will always tell me like, how did it get to my second story? I didn't see it come up the stairs or see it on the wall. And it probably came in from a second, from the second story. It didn't go up to it. It was actually there to get in that way. Yeah. They're coming down, take that tree up to the roof and then go into the attic vent and, you know, work your way down. Yep. So spiders, scorpions, they're active at night hunting. And that's just when they're actively hunting for prey, I think. I wonder if it's an adaptation to avoid humans because humans will smush them if they see them. Um, but then there's like uh, cockroaches are just active at night and and they have really long antenna and you can see little spines on their legs. And I, I feel like those are adaptations for living in a dark space, but they also are found like under your you know, your, your sinks or behind your refrigerator in a dark, uh, protected spot anyway. So, um, where they like to hang out and then when they leave, 
they're, you know, they always like the dark and they're, they, those would be negatively photo tactic. There's an experiment you can do where you stick them, you know, in the middle of a, underneath a lamp and they'll scatter and you can do uh, roach races with them and put a lamp behind them to make, to encourage them to run and see whose cockroach can run the fastest. So we know they're definitely negatively photo tactic. And you know that when you flip on your kitchen light, if you have an infestation and the cockroaches scatter everywhere, they want to get away from it. And then um, the two, the two that are seeking out a blood meal or seeking out their food that are what I consider bad guys that are nocturnal would be bed bugs and mosquitoes. However, bed bugs are really, their adaptation for being um, active in the evening is because that's generally when their host, us, are at rest and we're sleeping. And so they're, they can come feed on us easier. But if you are working the night shift or something like that, and you've altered your sleep habits to sleep during the day, they will also make that adaptation to feed on you just when you're resting and you're still. So their activity is really more based on us than it is what they tend to like. And then finally, mosquitoes. And there's a species of mosquitoes that um, most of the time people will say they're active during dawn and dusk. But I, I learned from our fellow entomologist and resident mosquito expert, Dr. Sonia Swiger, that they're actually primarily at, they're at their peak of activity, like at 10 p.m. to like 2 a.m. or something like that. And so they're um, night. there are many mosquitoes that will be active dawn and dusk, but also even into the nighttime. And I believe that's because many of those species like to feed on birds as their primary host. And in those evening hours, the host, the bird is roosting and quiet and still. And so they can go after their prey. So same kind of, same kind of, you know, adaptation and behavior and, and feeding patterns based off of their, their food source as bed bugs have. Yeah. We also have kissing bugs. So that's another one that it's going to yes. be a blood feeder that will feed on stuff. Yeah. How did that get overlooked? <laughs> kissing bugs. Yeah. And they also are attracted to lights because where I used to live, we could leave on the porch lights. And I mean, I could sit if it usually was if I started the evening early with porch lights on and then like the, they really liked the pool lights, but we could sit out there for hours. And I, I remember one evening collecting like oh dozens, dozens of huge, fat, giant kissing bugs just flying in and, and going to the side of the house where the lights were. And those I can handle a you know, I can look at a bed bug and not get too queasy and I can see a cockroach and not freak out too much, but those kissing bugs, they frighten me quite a bit. It's they're amazing how, like, even when they're engorged with blood that they still fly. Cause they're like all fat and boofy, but they're like still doing their thing. And they can be pretty fast. Yes. They are faster than I think they will be. And, but so are bed bugs. They're always, they always surprise me at how quick they and are. And bed bugs can't fly. So don't panic on that one. <laughs> right. Well, and we, I kind of overlooked um, whenever you were mentioning lightning bugs or um, any of like the, the bioluminescent insects, right? So um, why are they active at night? Uh, we, we love watching fireflies, but that comes from their, their predatory instinct, but also trying to find a mate, right? Yeah. Um, obviously if they're bioluminescing, but, uh, did you guys learn? So when I was in college, I thought this was fascinating, but some females, um, some female firefly species will mimic the light patterns, uh, and heights. 
So <clears throat> the height at which they're flying and then the, um, I guess, the pulsing of the light will mimic other species males to bring in the male so they can actually eat yes. them uh, as like an attractiveness. So I, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. If you had listened to our podcast about um, two years ago, you would know all about that, Brent. Blacker. Well, I probably did listen to it like two years ago. <laughs> I'm the one that gives us like 500 views. <laughs> you yourself. <laughs> well, we also have those in Texas. We have those great big uh, elaterids, those um, those two-eyed elaters yeah. that will bioluminate. Those ones are cool. Then there's another little click beetle that illuminate uh, or bioluminesces too. And I don't know what it is, but it's smaller than those big two-eyed ones. Um, I don't know what it is. A little... They're little brown ones. Yeah, I They're... guess they are. And is it the tip of their abdomen that lights up? I think it's still on their thorax it... um, that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so they have kind of, I guess you would call them eye spots. Um, that seems to be kind of a consistent thing in the animal world, really. But uh, click beetles are really fun to look at. Uh, they're very torpedo shaped. If you ever try and pick one up and you feel it kind of jerking around, um, you'll know exactly why they're called click beetles. Um, I like to hold them in my hand and feel it. I like to knock them over and watch them <laughs> pop. <laughs> You're evil. <laughs> I really am. Don't come back as an insect. <laughs> okay, so that's it. We're probably wrapping up this podcast on insects that are both active at night and then also going to be attracted to light. Uh, we we put in a lot of information in, into this one. So um, hopefully some of you aspiring young entomologists can get out this season. And um, if you want to let us know what you find too, you can always reach out to our email, uh, bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you next time. Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcasts, Unwanted Guests. Brought to you by Texas A&M University, AgriLife Extension, and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.